As a warning, adult content might be in this show. A lot of this is freeform. Swearing happens. And if that offends you, or you have little ones around, or I don't know, whatever it may be, don't play this in that atmosphere. Other than that, fucking enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 52 of Eric Frankhouse Presents, and I want to talk cyberpunk. This is the day we are finally here. By the time you've probably listened to this, you'll be downloaded and ready to play. But I don't want to talk about the video game. I actually want to talk about the tabletop, Cyberpunk Red, the release of Cyberpunk basically 2077, and how we have been waiting for this game for oh so long. Artel Sorn made Cyberpunk 2020 way back in the 80s. And what they have what they have taken and made in red is what I believe quite the masterpiece. And I want to jump into this. I want to break down not only just Cyberpunk, but Cyberpunk Red. I want to break down how I would run this game and how I have already ran this game. And the just the ability to take new style of design and tie it to the old ways, very similar to Rob Schwab's Shadow of the Demon Lord, and bring us something that just we don't have right now. So enough of that. Let's dive into the topics. Let's talk about cyberpunk. Let's talk about running the setting and what it may be my top three contender of games of all time. Oh, I got you. I put the sponsor segment in a different spot. All right, our topics for today's show are simple complexity, life paths, roles, the art of range combat, how to run cyberpunk dystopian universes, and tips and tricks along with the clothes. Let's dive in. So, Cyberpunk Red is a big book. I mean, this thing is monstrous. And I know that me saying simple complexity doesn't seem right for something that's 458 pages, but it is. There's a lot in this book. They have made something that has all the options you would want to run a cyberpunk setting and to run cyberpunk based on the video game, based on your 2020 experiences. If you watch Blade Runner, you name it, it's there. And I think what is the most impressive to me is the core mechanic cycle, the cycle of how the game works. It's really simple. You have an attribute and a skill number. One to 10, usually one to six to start. You add those together, you roll a D10. If you roll a 10, roll one more time and add that to it. Did you beat your target number? Great, that's the game. And that's how they do this cycle. But they improve upon it in many ways. And when we get into the section where we talk about ranged combat, we'll talk about how full auto works and how I love the lethality of this game and what they've done. But that cycle is always a target number. And sometimes it's an opposed role. Sometimes it's static. And the tension that can build with those opposed roles, and we've seen it in games for years, but they've brought it back and cleaned it up and made 
They've made skills and they have made role abilities matter. And the rank that you have in them is where the complexity comes. When you are a certain rank, they give you examples of how trained you really are, what the kind of things you can expect to do with a skill at a certain rank, at a certain number. And to me, that is the complexity. It's the idea of, man, I'm a six now. How good's a six versus an eight? And they've given you that sandbox to play in, but to find it so that you as the GM and the players at the table are all on the same fucking page. That is a big problem. Uh, it is that concept of the trust fall. And the trust fall comes from the mechanics and from playing together for an X amount of time, knowing what your GM does, knowing what your players do, and being on that same page. And we've talked about that in many episodes. But they nailed simple complexity. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to do this, but unlike Shadowrun, where they make a new mini game, where the rules of the game change, and there are other games out there that do that too, That so much so that the dice change for each one of the things you're doing. This doesn't do that. It's the same core mechanic, they add some new things to it, and they make it shine in each of those subsystems of Cyberpunk Red. All you need is D10s and D6s for this game. And let me tell you, it is glorious. So life paths have been around since Cyberpunk 2020, the original version. And it is that thing that people usually come in disliking, being told what their background is. But by the time they finish rolling on the life path, it's all they want to do. And that is something that is just stand out amazing. And they brought it back in Cyberpunk Red. In this 400 and something page book, they brought back the idea of rolling your background, your history, your friends, your enemies, you name it, everything that could be a part of it from did your lover end up being someone that you want sweet revenge against or your role-based life paths where each one of the different, I think it's 10, 10 roles have their own life path to kind of determine who you are on that from the rocker boy all the way to the nomad. This is something that they are jumping off points and they even tell you to randomly roll or pick one. Like if you roll a background for example, I made a rocker boy. He ended up being a Korean rap artist. And he is out there fighting the system as a Korean rap artist. Like, take the idea of Run the Jewels or uh, Rage Against the Machine, but turn it up to where they're physically taking action. <laughs> like, that level of animosity towards corporations. But he is a rap artist. He has a portable amplifier and two speakers, and he will throw down and do DJ and do rap wherever he's at. And he quit his Korean pop group that he used to be with. Well, I rolled that he's always been solo, but I was like, man, I think it'd be cool if he was part of a K-pop group to begin with. So I did that. I just changed it. But rolling on there really helps you pick and choose dynamic backgrounds. So you're not playing the same thing every time you sit down at the table. And we're all guilty of that. We all have a favorite superhero, favorite something that we play. Maybe it's John Rambo. Maybe it's Iron Man. But you kind of always end up building the same thing. This stops that. This makes you break the shell you're always in and do something very different. And the life paths have a lot to them. It's not just as simple as rolling something. But, for example, if you roll your 
original family background and you were, I don't know, a nomad pack and your family owns a series of RVs that you borrow to tour with a band, or maybe instead you were a solo and you were raised in a brothel and you're specifically trained as a guard for doors. But that turned into you then bodyguarding clients or people who come in. This helps you build something that by yourself, uh, to be honest, unless you're a writer, you probably wouldn't have came up with. And this randomness strings the life path together. I will never forget my cyberpunk 2020 character that grew up uh, and he had no clothes for five years. And now that he's finally got a job, he has his first set of clothes. He will do anything to keep them from being damaged. And it drives his motivation to be a face, a talker. How else would that have come up in a dystopian universe or in, hell, even in a fantasy game, how would that have came up? So these life paths, and you see them in also Shadow of the Demon Lord by Rob Schwab, where they brought back the idea of your ancestry or your character race that you're playing, um, rolling to see where things come from and tying that into everything else. Cyberpunk takes it a step further where it's not just your family's background. It's how many siblings you have. Do you have any friends? Do you have any enemies? Do you have lovers? Who did you work for? What was your role like? By the time you're rolling this up, very quickly, I might add, you have a fleshed out character. How often do you see that? The answer is not often. There's a lot that goes into picking your role or your class, as many people probably know if you play 5e or Pathfinder or other things, but your role, your, your rocker boy, your solo, which is like a street Sam from Shadowrun, or your nomad, which is the packs that are gang members or a traveling family, whatever it may be. There's a lot that goes into each one, but they do it in a small space. And before you even dive into that, the way that they have made three different methods of building a character, which is like super fast paced, get into it and run to a little more complex to pick absolutely every aspect of your character is the third method. You have this way to generate things for at a convention table, like, Hey, math method one, do it now, get it done, be fast. Or you can take time to really build out your character. And this is something that is great because when you finally get to roles, you are picking something that fits your character in a way um, that classes sometimes don't. That there's more, there's more to a role. And then each role has an ability that they are known for. And I think that there is my favorite piece. The ability for a lawman to call support in, to have backup. For a corporate exec to basically have an edge runner team that works for them. To a rocker boy and how a rocker girl and how big of an audience you can pull. Those are pieces that are, are pivotal to your character and it makes your character different, your character to your right. And on top of that, they even have it to where each one of those roles may have more in them. Technicians and med techs are kind of the same bracket and you can kind of pick what you do, but the roles are, not a class because you're still picking all the skills that you feel are pivotal to your character. You're not picking the skills just because I'm a net runner. I must have these skills. I'm a media. I must have these skills. They tell you, Hey, we recommend you should take these. And there are some skills too. GMs. You'll be so happy about this in character building. I know this is off the rules topic, but they tell your players these three, four skills you must have. Otherwise you would not survive 
in this world. Thank you. Thank you, Artel Soren, for doing this. Thank you. But the roles themselves, the diversity of 10 roles, giving you a lot to play with. And they are the full gambit of what you would expect to see in a cyberpunk dystopian culture. From the Rocker Boys, the Solos, to the Net Runners, which I love the new Net Running stuff. They really cleaned it up. No more Minesweeper, everybody. No more Minesweeper. To Techs, have there be an auto mechanic or an inventor. To Med Techs, they're good at patching people up. To Medias, who report on everything that's going on, and they're influencers. Something that I have learned a lot about doing streaming, but just that we see every day how influencing works. To Corporate Exec, which are the power brokers, lawmen. You know who they are. You can make your judge dread people. Fixers who set up the jobs and nomads who are experts and ultimate road warriors and pirates and smugglers. Each one having their own ability really brings something to play. And as a GM, you can call out to your group specifically. Think of this. If you are a GM running this and you have a mission set up, and let's say five of your people are here. You have two solos, a net runner, and a tech. And you go, guys, you're gonna need a driver for this. And someone goes, Well, we don't need we don't need two solos for this. I'll make I'll make a nomad. We can have our backup character that we hired. They can make a nomad a matter of minutes doing this simple system. And because this game is so deadly, and we'll get into that in range combat, you could have that as your backup and ready to go. So the roles are an amazing piece of the system. I love that they gave us diversity within each role. And I love that each rank in your role defines the extra things that you can do. It's nice to see this kind of stuff back in my game. Combat in this game is amazing. But ranged combat is even better. So as someone who uh, has shot a lot of firearms in their life and, and has enjoyed the the actual skill in learning to shoot from BB guns as a kid to hunting as a teenager to being a bodyguard on up. You learn a lot. And I think the best thing they did for this game was to change the concept of you rolling against somebody else dodging. Because there's a superhuman level in dodging bullets. There's something there that uh, you don't you don't see unless you know you're Neo. And there is a level in this game once you're cybered up that that is feasible. But to start, it is base difficulty values that you are rolling against using the distance and what the firearm is good at at those distance. In the Friday night firefight section, which I, I still love that they call it that, they have, for example, pistols have a lower rating the closer it is. 0 to 6 meters is 13, 7 to 12 is 15. And then when you get into the high end, they can't go past 100 to 200, and you're you're hitting a 30, which is super difficult to do. Even if you have 10s in both stats, that means you need a 10 on the die, and that's not even with any modifiers. But if you go to the opposite side of the spectrum, and you go to your sniper rifle, when you hit that 100 meter, 50 to 100 meters, that's the sweet spot. You're rolling 15s. 16 for 100 to 200, 17 for 2 to 4, and then 400 to 800 is 20. And this allows range to play a really important role because in this game, if you don't take cover, you're not going to make it. It is a deadly system. As a GM, I recommend having your players roll a character and at least having another one in mind, if not another one rolled, and how they're already going to fit it in the game so that you're not arguing that out of the gate. 
they either work for the same stable or maybe they work for a fixer that everyone talks to. If you're in a nomad group, maybe they're part of the nomad pack, but have a way to work another character in right away. You don't want this to be one of those ones where people have to sit around and wait. Maybe it's somebody they've been hiring and you're not going to let them play that NPC. Because here's the thing. Full auto in this game is deadly. And I'm going to explain it real brief for ranged combat. That same difficulty value, let's say you have an assault rifle and they're at 13 to 25 meters. You need a 15. That's not that hard to roll. And each one of them have a bonus for auto fire. Basically, every point over, you get an extra 2d6, up to a cap. SMGs can go up to three over, and assault rifles count up to four over. If you're counting up to four over, you're adding 8d6 on top of your 5d6. Did I mention that every set of boxcars, two sixes, is a critical? So think how that's going to go. Full automatic, bullets flying, more than one set of bullets penetrating and causing criticals. This game is ruthless. It does not, it's not forgiving. Wear armor, your armor reduces as you play. But what they've done is made range combat about taking cover and being smart. Because the only way to attempt to dodge gunfire is to have a reflex of eight or higher. And you can't start with that. You have to be cybered up, or you have to put points into it, or you have to be on a combat drug. You're not dodging bullets unless you're above human capacity. The range combat in this game, I've been super happy with the few times I've already ran this. Even when I competed in Iron GM and I ran the box set, I threw it on the table and said, open it up, make characters I've never ran, let's figure it out. And I placed that year with it. It was a riot. And now they've put out Red, the full book, and they just, they've amplified it. They've turned it to something even better than I previously expected it to be. So take a look at it. Enjoy the suppressive fire, the different versions of shotgun rounds, how explosions work, and really absorb the combat section. Because here's the thing. This game isn't difficult. There's just a lot of gear and fun options for people. But they've even fixed that part of range combat. Now you're not buying like 20 different versions of pistols. You're buying a pistol or a heavy pistol and a manufacturer. And maybe that manufacturer has made a difference. But if you know a tech, they can upgrade your weapon for you. Range combat in this game is a riot. Check it out. And if you do nothing else, open to the combat section, read Friday Night Firefight. It may just sell you on the system. And I'm not getting sponsored for this shit. Athantia has finally come to Patreon as a micro setting and eventually to be published. It's a Pathfinder 2E system and it is what our live stream is based around. We've been playing in this set piece for over 15 years and it was finally time to bring it to you. So if you're interested in playing in Athantia or you want to know more about it, check out my Patreon at Eric Frankhouse Presents. If you want to see what the game plays like, Try our live stream. You can find it under the same name on Twitch or on YouTube for our replays. Don't forget side quest air the opposite weeks. Those are moments in between our live stream. Give a little more depth of character. We hope to see you soon. And remember, join our discord. We're all there to talk, have a good time and play games. All right, let's put on some music for this section. 
I normally don't play music here, but I feel for running a dystopian universe, running cyberpunk, pivotal. You need to set a tone. And this book literally sets you down and says, yo, this is how you set a tone for what you're doing. Make sure that you have music playing. You dim the lights. I think he even makes a joke of something like, open your one-week-old trash can and let that smell <laughs> fill the room. But set the tone. Set the music. Play your favorite Matrix soundtrack. Go in. Play Johnny Mnemonic. Find your favorite set of that rock electronic and put it in the background and enjoy it. Your dubstep. Whatever it is. Set the feeling for it. Because this is that time where you can really bring people in because everyone is human in the game and everyone is transhuman to a point, altering themselves, replacing themselves with cybernetic pieces. Read the history of Night City and the war that has happened. It's really entertaining and it explains a lot for how to run a dystopian setting. I mean, the corp wars that happened crushed the net. It's gone in the way that you remember it. And now AR has taken a really big real big front and center stage. So now your your edge runners and your net runners are with you. And they can only contact nodes that are close. So these are things that are pertinent to learning the system. And a lot of this 458 page book is teaching you the setting. Now, when I run dystopian set pieces, I like to set the tone at the beginning of each mission. If you were a part of our uh, Detroit Living City DLC that I ran with Alan, who plays Oliver on Athantia, uh, Dark Tides, we made sure that at the beginning of each thing, we had a we set the mood. And I think the questions I remember correctly are kind of a quote or a conversation you got from your fixer that went to the mood. Is it dark? Is it neon mohawk? Is it subterfuge? Is it kick the door down? And then from that mood, we take that and we talk about, is it black trench coat? Do you need to be subtle about what's going on? Is it rocket launcher? Are you blowing things up? Because what you want to do is set the people in the attitude they have to be for the mission you're going to run. And I recommend doing that as a GM when your Johnson contacts them. Simply have the Johnson say, or in cyberpunk, have the fixer or the face or the corporate exec or the organization, whoever it is. I don't care if it's Harry met Sally and they're part of some gang that loves like old, old TV. Have them tell them, listen, I expect you to be silent on this job or you're not getting paid. And um, it ain't going to be fun. You're going through what was once a warehouse to make mannequins. And I'm pretty sure there's some creepos in that place. Creepos being the gang, of course, not just weirdos. Set that tone and let them know what they're walking into and set the set piece, set the music and have fun with it. And they do a good job teaching how to run cyberpunk in this book. And I think playing the video game that while I'm recording this is launching is also going to help you with that tone. AR, holograms, you name it, floating around the area. The Ghost in the Shell movie did a good job of kind of setting the look as well. Get that stuff down. Write a note card for yourself. But I'll get more into that on tips and tricks. I just wanted you to have a little dystopian music in your heart while we uh, get ready to talk about the next part. Okay, let's get into tips and tricks here. Cyberpunk is amazing setting, and it's one of those ones where you have to say yes more than no. Yes, you can try to drive your car into the other car. Yes, you can try to hack that. You'll probably die. Yes, you 100% can do full auto to cover the hallway as your friends run by lobbing grenades. 
Yes, that person is drawing a gun on you in the middle of a Dairy Queen. Yes, I promise you that if you jump off that building, you're probably going to die. But you can do it. You can try. Yes, more than no. And the reason being is you can always roll a 10. And a 10 lets you add another roll. On top of that, you have luck. And you can add that luck in to make sure you're going to do it. Reinforce it. You want them to do the wild. Because the first time you hit them, they're going to realize how fragile they are. They should be taking cover. Remind them to do that. Use cars. Use car doors. Use doorways. Use anything you can for cover. As a GM, litter your terrain. If someone says, I want to take cover, can I? Very rarely should you say, sorry, there's nowhere to take cover. No, look at your room just that you're sitting in. There's probably things you can duck behind that would at least give you some cover. Because remember, the ability to hit someone doesn't really change. Yeah, you get a little bonus if you're totally behind something. But if you're not totally behind, you don't get much of a bonus. Keep that in mind as you're running the game. And most importantly, make your goons take some hits, but make them important. This is a set piece where you should be focusing on why a villain, or not even a villain, an NPC, would do something. Give them motivations. Now, I always say that in every game I run, but I think it's even more important to give motivations in this game. If someone's wearing armor, you think that the guy comes in the room after you isn't going to be wearing armor? If you have it, sorry, man, it's not how it works. If you have an SMG, you don't think there's two snipers on wrist pointing at you? If you go in to have a conversation about buying some new drug on the streets called Jettison, do you not think that they're going to be prepared to negotiate to make that money that they don't have that? Everything should be a risk wager. There should be tension. Build up, have that tension, cut it, build again. Build moments. Build around moments. Build set pieces. And I'll be honest, the best thing you can always do is that they are in the middle of a conversation and things are going slow or south. There's nothing wrong with setting down a heavy pistol in the middle of the table and just seeing how your players react. Especially if it's at, I don't know, a church or maybe in the middle of a fine dining establishment and he sets down a heavy pistol on that counter. Conversation changes, tension changes. Maybe it's black ice sitting outside of your hacker's deck. These are important pieces that you can use. My tips and tricks to you are to read the rules, make notes on the setting, and make Night City your own. Or make it in your city. If you think you can build your city in a way that you think is going to be fun, that is what we did for Detroit Living City. I wanted Detroit to be this neon setting, neon but we called neon black setting, where vehicles were hand-me-downs and they've been upgraded with new technology to keep that look and feel. We came up with a reason and did it. And it was fun. When you're playing this, remember, cybernetics in this game, there are some parts, this, this book is well laid out. Everything is hyperlinked. Even the pictures have descriptions, but there are some parts you're going to hunt for. Why doesn't cyberware do more damage? Well, there's probably going to be upgraded versions later. These cyberware pieces, they even talk about it. If you lose a limb, you can go get another one grown and put on, but it doesn't enhance your stats. Same with basic ones. If you lose a limb to an explosion, they will put a new limb on you, but it doesn't make you better. If you want to make that cyber limb better, there's this loss of humanity that happens because you're taking a piece of way from you that works perfectly fine and adding something on this bigger, better, stronger, faster. Humanity is huge. 
and the threshold of going off the deep end is really easy when people start adding a lot of gear themselves. And that's why they should have a second character. So that's it. Let's talk about what we got going on. All right, everybody, in closing, thank you to everybody who has been watching our stream. Authentia Dark Ties on the first and third Tuesday of every month, 7.30 p.m. CST, 7.10 for the pre-show. That following Friday of that show, we do the Merrifield live stream where we build the city the players are in. So many people have come out of the woodwork. We're so close to our 100 followers on Twitch. And once we hit the 100 followers on Twitch, I'm going to start doing the map of Merrifield. The goal is by the end of the 13 episodes for the season, and we're going into eight as of the time this airs, we are going to put it out for you to use it in your Pathfinder 2 and maybe even your 5e games if we hit another threshold of followers. I love doing this. I've had a blast bringing EFP back. We didn't have one last week because I gave you that long-form interview to digest. I didn't want to put another one out right away. Now, if you disagree with that, you still would have liked to have another one of these 25, 30-minute bites. Let me know. I'll make sure I don't do that after an interview for right now. But that's it for me in closing. Thank you for supporting. Come try out Stream Loots and how we play cards and interact with the people on our show. And I can tell you, around the corner, I got some really special news coming. Thank you all for listening to EFP, and I will see you next Tuesday. Watch, listen, learn, be a better gamer, and enjoy some fucking cyberpunk.